Um, we're going through a series of life principles. And the series of lessons is called Life Principles Every Christian Should Know. Um, I, I said early on, weeks ago, that I felt like these life principles are not just for Christians. Uh, I feel like that these life principles are uh, things that are true for anyone, um, not just Christians. But uh, these, are, these are things that everybody should know to be able to live a better life. And one of them was like, you reap what you sow. That's true for anyone. Uh, doesn't mean doesn't have to be just a Christian. We all reap what we sow, and uh, so this is another one that is going to be universal, uh, one that we all should probably get a handle on in our lives because uh, all of us are and have experienced circumstances in our life that are less than uh, great. Right? Would I be, you know, truthful in saying that? You've all gone through some circumstances that have been pretty trying and, and troubling. Some of you might be going through those things even today. And so uh, it's probably a good uh, opportunity for us to maybe think about it a little bit harder and maybe rearrange maybe some of our thinking about how we handle these things. Uh, today's uh, principle is, as children of a sovereign God, we are never victims of our own circumstance. And I think that's true for everyone. And we're going we're gonna to delve into this a little bit in depth. But I want to give you a, an opportunity to, to talk uh, in some smaller groups. So I have some table talk questions. And so what we're going to do is, I think we actually have enough for three tables today. And so uh, when I dismiss you, you're welcome to go to any of those three tables. Please do not feel like you need to say anything. Okay. If any of the, the, the topics you, you just don't, you know, aren't getting or you're not really, uh, uh, really one of those people who like to talk, feel like you can sit back and listen to others and uh, maybe learn from them. Uh, but if you do have uh, some things to say, please feel open to discuss these questions. So it's just three little questions. We'll give you about 10 minutes uh, or so to kind of talk about these amongst yourselves. All right. So I'm going to leave um, a, a few of these at each table. And then uh, you might look around and see if there's anybody you don't want to be next to at a table and uh, go to the other table. So, if, Aaron, if, you, if, you, if you're if you at a table all by yourself, sorry, you should have showered this morning. <laughs> it's all good. All right, you can dismiss, and uh, we'll give you a few minutes to, t to talk about these questions. Did you have a good time learning from each other, talking to each other? One thing I love about Table Talk is uh, the fact that we oftentimes love getting together and being with one another, but it's very rare that we, that we get together and we have some time of in-depth conversation about some pretty important topics. And so it's really, really refreshing uh, for me to see you guys interacting and uh yeah, just speaking into each other's lives. I think that's really, really important. Um, and I think these particular topics are very, very important for us to learn from. So um, did you learn some stuff from each other? Yeah, I hope so. This life principle is particularly tough. It seems to me that this life principle, the key to understanding it is faith. And the idea of faith is sometimes a concept that we, we kind of throw that word out into this world, and it's not very well understood. So there is a definition of faith. It's found in the Bible. It says, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, 
Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Now let that sink in just a little bit. It's the assurance of things that are hoped for and the conviction of things that are not seen. So what that means is when circumstances of life come flooding in, you have a choice to believe that there's hope in the future. Or you have a choice to believe that there isn't any hope in the future. Or you have maybe seen or been through circumstances before that maybe are similar or hurt just as bad. And you've been through those and you've gotten through those. And when the, something happens again in your life that's similar, you have a conviction because you've been through it before, right? You're, con you're convicted. You go, I am sure that this is going to end up just like it did before, that I'm going to be able to get through this, that I'm going to be able to, to make sure that I come out on the other side. That's, that's faith. Now, you can have faith in many things. You can have faith in yourself. You can have faith in others. Or you can have faith in, in God himself. And all of those things, all three Three things, what is the key ingredient? Faith. It's the belief in something that it's going to be okay, that circumstances will be fine. Now, for our uh, benefit this morning, uh, as believers in God, we say as children of a sovereign God, we are never victims of our own circumstance. In other words, no circumstance can overcome us that we can't get through the other side. So life isn't simple, is it? We face many bumps along the way. There's many turns and twists. Uh, the race is real. The journey of life is real. It's not something that you can just uh, escape. But we have to live this life. The battle is continuous. The, the painful experiences that pierce our hearts, that make us suffer, that make us cry out, are real. However, our circumstances should not define who we are or how we react. That's the life principle for today. Rather, as believers, our behavior in every situation should be one that honors our Lord, that our identity should always be based on the salvation that he has provided for us. In other words, there's bigger things than the circumstances that you're going through. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. In other words, that means that if you're a believer and you believe in God, that there is hope, that there is conviction of things that we can't see, that there's assurance of that hope in the future. And that's what kind of drags us through those circumstances that we're in. We're going to look at some real life lessons today, uh, some real people and how they live their life. Uh, some of them are from the Bible, and we're going to uh, look at those. And then this first one we're going to look at is, uh, is somebody that you've all heard of before. Let's have a look at their lives uh, uh, just in short and see if we can find some people that didn't define their lives by their circumstances. Number one person that popped into my mind this week as I'm putting this lesson together was Lance Armstrong. Everybody heard of Lance Armstrong? There's probably not one person in this room that haven't, hasn't heard of Lance Armstrong, good or bad, right? 
let's let's uh, take the good and bad out of the equation at the moment. Okay, Lance Armstrong uh, went into the doctor because he was having some pain. They found uh, did some scans, found out he had testicular cancer that had spread uh, to his brain and to other organs in his body. And basically, the doctor said, "You're not going to live for the ne the next six months." If you don't have treatment, you'll, you're going to die. He got the death sentence. Something we all fear, right? Something we all go in the doctor, we don't want to hear that, right? Um, and he got that death sentence. And we all know he got through it. Probably one of the, the most serious life circumstances that we could face, and he was able to get through this life circumstance. Um, here's what he said about that life circumstance. He's written a lot about it. You've probably read some of those things, but here's a quote that I thought was particularly meaningful. He said, I believed in belief. I think that's key. So here's this what. The key is there, right? There's a key. What's the key? Faith. He believed in belief. For its own shining sake, he says, to believe in the face of utter hopelessness in every article of evidence to the contrary, to ignore apparent catastrophe, what other choice was there? So in his mind, he didn't have any other choice. He was laid bare. He was broken, as we said last week. You know, this idea of broken. He was broken. There was nothing that he could do other than what? Believe in belief. To know that there's some sort of hope in this utter consequence of hopelessness. He goes on, he says, We are so much stronger than we imagine, and belief is one of the most valiant and long-lived human characteristics. To believe, when all along we humans know that nothing can cure the briefness of this life, that there's no remedy for our basic mortality, that it is... That is a form of bravery, to continue believing in yourself, believing in whatever I choose to believe in. That was the most important thing that got me through, this idea of belief. Now, what he believed in, you know, we can, we can talk about that in a little bit. But the fact is, the key element of him getting through circumstances was what? Faith. Belief. Is this other, is, is another way to put faith. We believe. We believe that there are things to hope for. We believe that we can get through these things. And belief is a, is a powerful motivator, isn't it? If you can believe, if you can just get a glimpse of what your life could be beyond your circumstances, you no longer become a what? To them. Yeah, you no longer become a victim to them. Because you have that belief. You see that glimpse. Maybe you've been through circumstances that have been bad before and you've gotten through them and you can kind of count on that conviction. But nonetheless, you have belief. You have this faith. This is what got Lance Armstrong through his tough times on the brink of death. What about the story of Joseph in the Bible? Do you remember Joseph? Joseph, who was, uh, I'll give you the scriptures if you want to look, Genesis 45, uh, it tells the story of Joseph. He endured a life that seemed so unfair. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. 
Um, he went into a household. Uh, the, the wife of the household accused him of messing with her, and he got thrown into jail. Every time he, he took about five steps forward in his life, something kept dragging him back. Uh, he was in jail, and he uh, got to be the, the head of the prisoners in jail that he was liked so much. And then uh, when he want, wanted to get out of jail, the guy that he said for, to remember him to the king didn't. And so he had to keep staying there time after time after time. He got dragged back. These circumstances of life just seemed to, to kind of weigh on him. And this was years of this thing, these things happening to his life. In the end, um, he was successful. He, he rose to be the second most important leader in all of Egypt behind the Pharaoh. And you would think with all that much power, you'd go back and wreak revenge on all those <laughs> who had done you wrong, right? And one day, there was a famine in the land, and his brothers came waltzing into Egypt to find some food. And guess who was in charge of all the food? Joseph. So he had a, a time in his life where he could have wreaked havoc on his brothers, right? For selling him in, into slavery in the, in the first place. Let me read to you what he said to his brothers. Genesis 45, verse 4 says, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come closer to me so I can smack you upside the head. <laughs> Is that what he said? No, of course not. That's, that would be what I would do. <laughs> okay. But that not Joseph. He said, Please come closer to me. And they came closer. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into slavery. Now do not be afraid or grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve your lives. For the famine has been in the land for two years and there are still five years to go in which there will be neither plowing or harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve you for a remnant in this earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but who? God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh, and a lord of all his household, and a ruler of all his land in Egypt. Genesis 50.20 says, Joseph said this to his brothers, And as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result, to preserve many people or alive. Who had faith here? Who had belief here? To be able to, to, to rock those circumstances of his life and shove those things to the side and say, God meant this for your good. Don't, don't feel guilty don't worry, brothers, I'm not mad with you, and you shouldn't be mad with yourself because God meant all these things to preserve your lives. Wow. Is that belief? Is that faith? He was able to get through all those bad circumstances of his life because he had that key ingredient. Faith, belief. Belief that God was going to cause all those things to work, get, work together for their good. Think of David. You've heard of the David and Goliath story in the Bible, right? 
He had the same kind of belief. He obeyed God even though at times everything seemed to work against him. You remember uh, first, in 1 first Samuel 23, 14, it says, David stayed in the wilderness in the strongholds and remained in the hill country in the wilderness and Saul sought him out every day to kill him. But God, did, God delivered, did not deliver him into his hand. Here's David. We all think of David as the king, the ruler, uh, the greatest king, you know, in Israel. Yet there were times in David's life where he was on the run. Every single day he was on the run. People were trying to, to kill him. Saul was out to kill him. And yet David had this same attitude as Joseph. What? This is going to be okay. It's going to be fine. You know, some of us, if we're, if we're on the run, somebody's trying to kill us, we're like, ah, my life is so bad. It's so terrible. I can't believe this. I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to freak out. We have such anxiety and worry and all these things that we have, uh, in today's society. This, this whole idea, this, the stress, anxiety and worry, it, it costs us billions of dollars a year. Why? Big answer right here, big star next to this, because we don't believe. We don't believe in ourselves, and we certainly don't have a belief in God, in our country, and in our world. We lack the key ingredient that helps us through the circumstances of life. So what do we do? We pop a pill so we can feel good. Or we go fill our lives full of something else so we can temporarily feel good. Or we uh, medicate ourselves with drugs, or we medicate ourselves with, with relationships, or we, we, uh, we self-medicate with all these other things that we think will give us hope, when really we're just exacerbating the problem. We need that key ingredient of belief. I'm going to skip Moses, because you know about Moses, but let's go on to the lives of the disciples. We just, you know, we just studied what happened uh, at Easter with Jesus around the cross. This idea where uh, he sits down with his disciples and he shares with them a meal and a few days later he's hanging on a cross. And they were devastated. Because they all thought Jesus was their uh, their earthly savior, didn't they? A lot of them thought he was going to be an, a king, a, an earthly ruler, or uh, some guy who was going to come and, and overthrow the Roman government and re lead a rebellion, right? They had all these high hopes in their minds and their hearts, these expectations, and what happens? He's on a cross, dying? What has that got to do with what we were thinking about? And they were devastated. You look at the lives of the disciples, they were, they were desolated and devastated at the crucifixion of the cross, only later to be strengthened, heartened, and filled with purpose. We ask you that question that last question about what you thought the differences were between uh, somebody who gets through circumstances with belief and faith in themselves or others and the difference between somebody who gets through circumstances by their belief in God. Did you answer that question? Do you have a discussion about that at all? What were some of the things that popped up? Did you have anything that popped up in particular about that particular question? Or were you just hoping that I would answer that later? Yeah. Um, a couple of things, but I'll just reiterate what I said. Was, what we said was that one, uh, believing yourself is that you are strong enough to get through to the next 
stay here for the next for the next thing. And then the take that I had on the part about God was that God's created the world uh, so that it actually has obstacles in it. Because if there was no obstacles there, then there's no growth. So that's part of having faith as well, is actually going, okay, this is busy. Um, so what was the first story that you did, Joseph? Yeah, Joseph. Yeah, so like you said, like that's part of it. It's, it's he created us so that there's the obstacles and he has to go through the obstacles of slavery in order to get to the other side. So mm. don't, don't fight the process. Yeah. Uh, in the Bible, it says, in this world, you will have many troubles. That's right. It, it's, is there one person who doesn't have any trouble in the whole world? This idea that we are going to live in some utopian society where no one has to go through any troubles is a crock. It's not true. And if there's anybody that tells you that it, if you just have faith enough, you'll never go through troubles, that is a lie. That is a lie, and it is not true. We will all go through troubles. The point is what? To have that belief, to, to, to have that, that driving hope that, that he will get you, he will walk you through those troubles. As a matter of fact, I would hazard to guess that you would be a very poor Christian if all you had to do was just slide through life with no troubles at all. Because we learn. We learn through those things. Yep. Hmm. Um, hoping God, uh, when you know, the scripture is described as an anchor, and it's, it's dealing with what goes beyond this life. And so in that sense, while the, the essence of the belief is exactly the same, uh, the difference is what's based on um, God's word tells us that regardless of what we face through life, that we should hold on to our faith and our hope in him, because once, even when we pass through death, and in that sense we never have success in this life, there's still a lot yet to come. And I think that's the defining difference when you look at uh, faith in ourselves and other people and faith in God. Um, God is outside of time and outside of space, whereas people are limited by this very life. And so promises obviously have a limited expiry date on the words of God. Um, his promises last from everlasting. That's right. So basically, if we're hoping in ourselves, that can only take us so far. That's what you're saying. can only go so far. Uh, Lance Armstrong's hope in his own abilities, his own strength, probably the people around him, his team that, that helped him through all that. Th that's great. That's good belief. But it really only stops short. Okay, because your hope in God lasts. It's, it's eternal. Right? It's, it's not just temporary here on this earth. And another point about hoping in yourself is you start to rely on yourself too much, you eventually will what? You're going to fail, or you're going to come into a circumstance that you don't have the strength to get get through on your own, and then you'll be left wanting for something else. And so there is a big difference between that. Um, this idea of the disciples gives us a perfect illustration of what this is all about. You remember uh, Jesus sat down with his disciples and he said, I'm going to have to go through this really tough thing, and I want you to remember this. And that's what those are all about, right? 
He says, I, I give you the bread. I want you to remember my body that's going to be broken. I give you the juice. It's going to, I uh, want you to remember the blood that was shed for me. Those are those memory devices for us to remember. And then right after that, he said in that time, he said, there's someone here who has what? There's someone here who's betrayed me. You remember who that was? Which follower? Judas. That's right. Then the story kind of goes along, and we find out that there's another disciple that's going to betray him. Who's that? Peter. He says, as a matter of fact, you're going you're gonna to deny that I even exist. How many times? Three times. So here we have these two guys, right? It's the perfect... It's the perfect experiment. <laughs> we have two guys that are facing the exact what? Same circumstances. They're devastated. Jesus was crucified on the cross. I don't think Judas ever thought Jesus would ever ever be uh, uh, crucified on the cross. I think he probably was just getting a little bit of money for himself, you know, on the side, just being a little bit dishonest. And I thought that, you know, he sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. I bet Judas thought this. Jesus got out of harder places than this. He'll get out of this and I'll pocket my money. But when Jesus didn't get out of that, in his mind, he was devastated. Right? And the time that Peter found out, he was devastated. You remember in the courtyard, Jesus is on trial, a false trial where they're, they're setting him up for, for this fall. And Jesus is looking at Peter across the courtyard and their eyes lock. As soon as Peter denies that he even knows Jesus, their eyes lock and he's devastated. Completely devastated. What Jesus said I would do, I did, and I, I'm just so sorry for what I've done. Two guys, the same boat, but their result is completely different, isn't it? Yep, one was so overwhelmed by those circumstances that he became a victim of the, those circumstances, he ends up taking his own life. Another who waits it out, he's seen Jesus work before. He's saying, man, maybe there's a way out of it. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'll just wait. I'll wait for him to work. I'll wait for him to see what happens. And then after Jesus' resurrection, he and, he and Peter meet once again. If you remember the picture, it's a beautiful picture in the Bible where uh, Jesus is walking along the beach, and Peter and his friends are out on the boat fishing. Remember, they'd been fishing all night, and uh, they're not catching anything. And this figure on the beach yells out to them, try casting the net on the other side of the boat. They're professional fishermen. <laughs> and they're like, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. They end up doing it. They catch more than they feel, and then they realize who it was on the beach, what does Peter do? What? He sheds his clothes and dives in. He doesn't even wait for the boat to get to the shore. He dives in to go reconnect with Jesus again. He had this inkling of faith that this was going to be okay because he'd seen Jesus work before and he placed that faith not in himself because he was so devastated he knew he was going to mess up, right? He placed that faith where? In God himself. 
and said, it's going to, maybe it'll be fine. I don't know how it's going to be, but I, I know something's going to happen. And he ended up being okay. He waited on God, which is two weeks ago, life lesson, right? Knowing how to wait on God. That's important. And then he allowed himself to not be carried away by that circumstance, not be a victim to it, but to place it in the hands of a sovereign God and allow it to work out. And it did. Peter became the rock. It says in the Bible that Peter became the rock. The very foundation of the rest of the world knowing who God is and what he did for this world went through the hands and the mouth of Peter. Didn't it? Peter preached the first gospel sermon and told them what Jesus had did uh, when the church first began. It was Peter. And if he, had, if he had become a victim of circumstance, wouldn't have happened. So it's key. It's key how you're going to be used by God now and in the future. Your belief and faith in him is key. You aren't alone in this. The sovereign Lord is with you in every situation. So call upon him. Open your arms to, to allow him to come in and to work with you and to guide you and lead you. Remember that, that you're never a victim of your own circumstance if you have the key of faith and belief in a sovereign God. Everything that happens to you is for your blessing and for your glory, even if it's bad. Right? Even if it's bad. God can use that to turn you into good. So this morning, I don't know how open you are to that uh, process, uh, whether how open you are to that life principle, but we're going to sing a, a last song here. If the worship team want to come forward, um, we're going to sing this last song. It's kind of a song you can, uh, you can sing along with, or you can sit there and you can kind of start to process, well, what does this life principle look like in my life? How, how would I put it into practice? Okay, this will be a good time to start that process. You might want to revisit it later today. Uh, you can listen to it again online or, or if you need uh, more uh, talking about it or communicating about it, you can always contact me. I'm happy to sit down and talk about these kind of life principles because I truly believe that when we open our arms to these things and we allow them to come in and we start taking step towards God and putting them in our lives, I believe our lives will be much more uh, profitable, beneficial, more positive, and certainly um, more godlike.